You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OK Sis, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello, welcome back to OK Sis Podcast. My name is Mads. My name is Scout, and as always, we are so happy that you are here and that you decided to press play this lovely moment in time. This lovely moment in time. Oh, I have a new, I have a new trend to deliver to you. Oh, like something that I definitely don't understand from TikTok? No, just like a trend that's happening that I think you would be into. Okay, hit me. It's called the quiet girl era, and it's definitely something I have slipped into this year very organically. I think it also, I mean, I saw a video, this beautiful woman on TikTok. Oh, my God. Skin was glowing. Cute, you know, walking outside in the nature. And she says, I'm entering my quiet girl era. This is my phase of life before I have kids where I'm also like graduated from my partying phase or my like super social phase. And I'm just being a lot more introspective and taking my time, you know, going on walks with coffee and with my dog. Like it was just so bucolic and beautiful. And I had never related to something more, especially as I'm doing Whole 30 in dry January. I haven't been obviously going out as much or even socializing at all. Um, so, but the crazy thing is, is that that's what I'm craving. It's not even that I'm forcing myself to be quiet or forcing myself to hold back. It's actually a lifestyle that I've been craving this year. So, that's what I'm I'm entering. I'm entering my quiet girl era. How do you feel about that? Um, so funny enough, I decided to go on TikTok last night to see what you do. Um, so what? I what, watched, do you mean, what I do. I don't know what you do, who you are, who you be on the internet, you know, I feel like <laughs> I need to know all of you and that's a part of you that I just do not know. So I went on the TikTok, I looked you up. Do you know that one time I went on TikTok and my brain was so fried? I searched TikTok in TikTok. Um, no. I searched <laughs> your funny. name and I watched this video and it 
said you were in your quiet girl era and the minute you said you've never resonated to anything more I went to the next video because I don't know why it was not into it. wait I what just, I don't know I was just like okay let me look at that another video so I saw part of wait. this video <laughs> um oh my god that's so rude no not because it was bad or anything I just I don't know I just went to the next video and then I kept going to the next video and I was like, I don't even think I have the attention span for TikTok. Oh, God. That's not great. No. Um, okay. So you didn't even watch it. Okay. Thanks. Um, but I just I just uh, explained it to you. So I yes. think you you understand. But what I was saying in that video was I people, you know, because I'm very loud and outgoing, and I've said this on the pod many, many times, people think that I'm extremely extroverted or that I wouldn't crave a quiet life. Whereas that's exactly why I need to crave a quiet life because everything around me feels so loud. And so internally I want to keep it quiet, solitude, silence, silencio, silencio Bruno. Okay. I think that my, obviously my default is quiet girl era. I think that's been who I've embodied. A hundred percent. You are the walking billboard of the quiet girl era. Yeah. I would like some credit. I would like to say that I created this movement. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. Be careful what, be careful what you claim about (laughs) starting movements, scout. Um, yeah, I've been in my quiet girl era for ever and ever and ever. And I think that's the hardest part of motherhood for me is that it is it is deeply cutting into my quiet girl time. Um, and I am now more activity based than I've ever been because sitting at home with a baby, like she gets bored, she needs to do things. It's just easier and more fun to take her out and do stuff. And so my quiet girl era has been incredibly impeded. However, every moment I get to retreat back to my true state, which is quiet girl, not talking to anybody being alone in a room, literally alone, is um, I jump at any opportunity, any opportunity I have to do so. I think it's it's the best way in, for me to live. It's like how I'm at my, if I have hours of alone time every day, I am happy. That obviously doesn't happen now, but oh, yeah. that is my ideal. Yeah. Three to four hours alone every single day. Now, when it comes to you, I understand how people get very confused when you say this because you are forward presenting as a little bit more of an outgoing person, you go to all these events, etc. But I swear somewhere in your chart is dominant Gemini energy because you really have two polar opposite sides of you that I think only the closest people get to witness. I think that most people get oh, yeah. like the forward facing, very loud, energetic out at events, mads, the personality on the internet, etc. And then there is a whole other like quiet, moody, Carol King, be alone, <laughs> like don't talk to me energy that totally. Mads also has. Like I know. Homebody. 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 Yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy that you're exposing the the people to this part of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, I definitely in January and through through this whole 30th dry January. That's like been such such a a realization of wow, things are quiet. Things are quiet, and it feels great. It feels so great. You know, I when I was younger and I was you know going out a lot, early 20s, college, and I used to think to myself, I. I'm so it's going to be such a bummer when I grow out of this phase like I'm and it's not like socially acceptable for me to black out every day it's going to be like such a sad life when that happens and the funny thing is as I've I've arrived at that happening but it's it, it is not a sacrifice <laughs> like it's not something I'm like ugh, oh no I wish I was younger and I could just like go out all the time like absolutely not like I am so content with this new phase Yeah, I find myself, gosh, it's so interesting. I've actually been thinking about this a lot, which is that transition into adulthood from, I would say, more your early and mid-20s, which everything feels so different. Like when I look back at myself as a 25-year-old, I just didn't know shit. Like I did not know shit. I was in a completely different headspace. And no matter, I was saying to myself, the thing that I would most like to fix about myself is that I don't necessarily live 
I don't necessarily take other people's advice. I'm someone who has to live through something to learn a lesson. And I feel as if there's been a switch in my brain ever since becoming a mom and going through a little bit of a hard year last year. Now I'm in a place where I want to listen to experts' advice and actually take it to heart versus saying, well, I just have to live it for myself. I think there's merit in both. Like I think lived experience makes the lesson really, really embodied into you. But I also think it's it's a foolish young person's game to not take other people's advice. And, you know, you have to, of course, be discerning. But I've been thinking so much about this because I have noticed and witnessed such a significant growing up phase that I've went through over the last five years. And I remember being... 20, 21, 22, and going to my friend's house and how how much fun getting ready was, like the freedom of getting ready, the fact that the night was ahead of us. I didn't have rigidity. I didn't have to be in bed at a certain time. I would go where the night took me. I didn't, it didn't matter if I was hungover the next day. Like all of those times I was like, of course, I don't, I don't miss the actual physical act of like getting drunk and going to the club and being up till 3am. Like absolutely fucking not. Nothing sounds worse, but I'm asking myself that feeling, like that feeling of we have the whole night ahead of us, that feeling of excitement of where is tonight going to take us? That feeling of, you know, we're not necessarily so rooted into our responsibilities and our anxieties. And I understand I'm obviously at a very different place with a child, but I've wondered how can I take that feeling and place it into my life in a way that serves me and moves my life forward versus giving me a fucking hangover and doing ridiculous fucking dumb shit. You know, like I'm glad I had that time in my life, but how do I evoke that feeling back? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I've always said that the pregame is always better than the going out. Like, and I've always wanted to have a pregame themed party where you just pregame and then not go out because it, that's the best fucking part. The best part is getting ready. The best part is the amp up, right? And I, I think there's a reason. Like, anytime I get ready for an event or things, like, the best part is, like, getting hair and makeup done or doing this and, like, the whole process of of it. And, yeah, it's, like, how do we incorporate that feeling but still be quiet girls where we just sit at home? I don't know. Well, for me, I don't even think that feeling necessarily needs to be about being around people and being out. I've been putting – I think it's just more of, like, a trust and a surrender and an excitement for what's coming next versus needing – to plan and know and control, right? Because technically that's why people get really drunk is that they like take away their, you know, they go out and party to like let loose and not worry about what comes next. And I think that I'm trying to be like that more in my life in the sense of sometimes I write in my journal, like I'm so excited to see what comes next, like surprise me. And I'm not having these rigid, yeah, getting giddy, yeah, getting giddy or not having giddy plans, about life, feeling really free, feeling like my life could go in 5 million different directions this year. And I can't wait to see which one manifests and getting that excitement because I have been noticing, especially now, you know, you're talking about your quiet girl era. Um, you know, a kid will really make you realize this is like, okay, I'm an adult and I have responsibilities and I love it. And I could not be happier about my life. I fucking love my business. I love doing my routines. I love being rigid. I love being in bed by eight. I love reading my books. I love being in the quiet girl era. I love barely drinking. Like I love all of it. And how can I not allow the adultness of my life and the responsibilities in my life harden me? And how can I have that youthful giddiness in my 30s? I know it's I think that's what when I was in my early 20s I was like oh this is yeah this is the inner child right taking over and that's so beautiful obviously you know whenever we do manifestation work it's always about tapping back into the inner child going back to your authenticity before social programming kind of fucked you up where it's like okay but kind of some social programming has like been good to me right like they're uh, like the quiet girl era was definitely not my inner child it does it yeah it's like how do you be playful without being irresponsible but then everyone always says you know oh like um you know tap back into that essence of when you're an inner child and playfulness like we're all too caught up in like adult things da 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 we're too grown up and it's like okay but we do have responsibilities so it's it's a weird balance cuz i don't want to just fully 
go off the deep end like I did in my early 20s, which obviously obviously I had a great time. And that's like I don't regret that that phase of my life. But uh, I I agree where there there needs to be more like childlike uh, activities or things that we do. I mean, I guess kind of my things that I was meant that I mentioned on the podcast before, but knitting, which I still have to go get my knitting, but knitting puzzles, game nights, reading like these are childlike things, right? Like these are playful things, I guess, in a sense. So how do, yeah. How do you just like replace that, but not make it too rigid? Yeah. And also I feel like the word responsibility needs a rebrand because everything yeah like it's fine to have responsibilities everything good about my life has come with an additional layer of responsibility like I believe that Mm -hmm. the more responsibility you have and this doesn't mean like throw the fucking world on your back but when you up level in an area of responsibility in your life whether it's at work whether it's within your family whether it's within taking you know control over your health whatever it is when you add on layers of responsibility, you show up in a way that you could, you didn't and couldn't show up before you had that responsibility. And I believe that responsibility is the thing that almost like rises us to the call. And within our responsibilities where we find strength is where we find what we're made of is where we grow and we learn. And so, you know, there's, you know, when you have too much responsibility, because maybe you like you expanded a little bit too much and that was too, too uh, fast of a pace. Um, but I've found that having the responsibility on my back of certain things in my business, within my family as a mom has shown me my fullest expression. And so I think that's yeah, capability. Yeah. Like it's like my responsibilities show me what I'm capable of. And there's such a strength to that, you know? And so I think that I know why, why, yeah. Why is being an adult bad? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we always say, oh no, we're all conditioned and now we're, you know, we have fear and we, uh, we make ourselves small to, because we care what other people think. And that's all that's being an adult like that, you know, it's, it's life, it's real life. And it's like, yeah, but why is that bad? Like, why? like what? I don't know. I, now I'm trying to think about it in the reverse area. Cause I just think there's so much, there's so much commentary on us getting back to our authenticity before all this programming and being this like free childlike person. But yeah, I agree that responsibilities and adult life fucking rules. Yeah. I am. I am obsessed with being an adult. Like I, you couldn't, yeah, same. you could not pay me to go back to my teenage and my 20s. Oh, no. And of course, we romanticize the parts of like freedom and not having responsibilities and thinking the world. But like the, the phrase that the youth is wasted on the youth could not be more true. Um, You could not pay me to go back there. But being an adult, in my opinion, I'm like thriving. Like, do you want to know what I can't wait to be? I cannot wait to be fucking 40 because I know if you oh, give same. me, I'm this great at 32, give me eight more years and hot damn is my life going to be amazing because I know that I can take responsibility over my life. I know that I can build within my own life and I know what I'm capable of now and I can't wait to see what I'm capable of in the next seven to eight years. So, oh dude, I hear, I hear 40s are where it's at. I did a little survey, a little, I did a little survey uh, past Shabbat and I said what to our uncle, to our dad, to our stepmom. I said, what has been your favorite decade so far? And all of them said 40s all of them sisters my goal these days is to always look put together when i leave the house nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that i just want to look put together and feel good about what i'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way when i look at my closet every single morning and think about what i can wear that is chic and intentional i usually end up grabbing one of my jenny kane sweaters and i always end up loving the way i look and the way i feel in them You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. 
I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS. Yeah, and take the fact that I feel like decades are going, um, like, I think 50s are the new 40s and 40s are the new 30s. Like, I actually think that when we're 40, it's going to be amazing, as they said. But then I think the 50s are also going to be what they experienced in their 40s. Yeah, totally. Also, just like if you think about it, no one one ever says 20s. Because why the fuck would you want to peak in your 20s? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think – I think we we underestimate the the – past 30 I mean we talk about this all the time that your 20s are the most uh overrated decade it's like we place such importance on it when what the fuck you're not you have a whole life ahead of you you know I honestly believe that Forbes 30 under 30 is to blame for the pressure that totally everyone puts on their 20s like being a founder at 22 being a founder at 23 having all these success most people who get early success in life, not everybody, but most people who get early success in life don't necessarily become wealthy or successful long-term. And I'm reading this book called The Psychology of Money. And my goal this year is to read Tony Robbins' trilogy on money. His third, The third book in the series is coming out in February. Um, 
yeah, I'm, the the book that I'm reading on the psychology of money, which I wanted to 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 see if you wanted to join me on this train, Mads, is it's very easy to get rich. It's very easy to make money. It's very difficult to hold on to money for long periods of time. So I'm thinking of the way just from a developmental stage that my brain was capable of understanding at 23. And it's just for the people who are successful early 20s, like, fuck yes, go. But that's also the reason why so many athletes crash and burn, right? I was listening I was listening to Ed Milet and he just did a whole episode on money um, and how to how to be wealthy. And his like biggest thing was I've seen so many people make a shit ton of money and then go broke the next year because they have absolutely no idea how to manage it or keep it and sustain it. And he was like, don't be that person. And I felt, yeah. And I think both of us have been going on, you know, obviously a money journey the past year. And that's a big takeaway I always think about because I know I'm going to be very wealthy and, but, and, and you know why I know, because I have the exact plan you know, it's what did he, what does he say? It's like it's it's when you make the wealthy habits when you're broke is what's going to then make you wealthy, if that makes sense. Like when you're not even in that wealth uh, reality, it's the putting X amount away into savings. It's putting X amount away into a 401k. It's putting X amount. It's budgeting. All of these habits are wealthy habits and keep you in a wealthy mindset. And it's just going to grow. And then the moment you have a, you get an, a, a bigger job pay or you get a flush of income come through, you're not going to have these autopilot spending habits that you're just going to spend it all or you don't know where to put it. Those are things you need to do when you're quote unquote broke or whatever, when you're not at the state you want to be at yet. That's when you need to develop it because then, because yeah, he says this all the time, you know, you could want the mansion, but it's still you in the mansion. Like just because you have a mansion doesn't mean that you are going to be any different. So once you get a lot of money, that doesn't mean that you're going to, your habits are just going to like, you're just going to have good money habits right when you have money. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. And there's also a big mindset shift in me, which is patience, like patience and the long game. I know I'm going to be incredibly wealthy. I do not need to be incredibly wealthy next year, nor is it possible for me to acquire the wealth that I know I will have in a short period of time, right? And it's about like, so Warren Buffett, I'm going to get, these are very loose numbers because I don't have the book in front of me. So just um, like fact check this, but the set the, the, the lesson will or the point will come through is that I think Warren Buffett is worth, let's just say it's around, I'm pretty sure, like around $85 billion right now. Before he was 65, so at 64, he was worth $4 billion. He made, a, his net worth increased by $81 billion after he turned 65. And he, um, in this book, The Psychology of Money, the author was comparing two different investors, Warren Buffett and this other investor. This other investor technically gets double the amount of returns from his investments every year than Warren Buffett does, making him technically a better investor than Warren Buffett. But this guy got into the game later and because of compounding and because of just like time, he is not worth as much as Warren Buffett. Now, of course, we're talking about stupidly crazy numbers that don't necessarily matter. But the point is, is that the 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 rabbit wins, wins the race over the tortoise like every single time. And so for me, when it comes to wealth now, it's just like it's just about those daily habits right now. But also I'm not I think in my 20s I was in we all are we're in like this hurry. We think we have like three years to become multimillionaires or to, yeah, it's like to crazy or to like yeah. get the six figure salary immediately or the multi. And it's like insane because real, real, real wealth that will last you the rest of your life happens over a 20 year span, right? Like it happens over yeah. such a long period of time that it's so comforting. Like it's like, oh, okay. I'm t- I like my thirties, the twenties where you figure it out, you make mistakes, you're insane, you're depressed. Who the fuck knows? The thirties are 
you're making money, you're foundational, you have responsibilities, you're an adult and you work on your money management and you do the things you need to be wealthy. And I feel like it's not, you know, in your 40s, you're really going to see those results of the daily, daily actions you took in your 30s. Yeah. Also, I love that the the you know in one year he made it, he was worth all that more money. Okay, I think wait, that's I wanna a I wanna pause. It lo- wasn't one year. It was that like his larger net worth came post sixty five. It wasn't like he was worth four billion and then one year he was worth eighty billion. But most of the eight billion, yeah. But and what I'm saying is there's like a tipping point, yes. right? And this is in Atomic Habits. This is a very common. Uh, concept where you it's the magic dark I mean there's so many different I mean Lacey Phillips calls it the magic dark I atomic habits I don't remember exactly what it is but it's all the same kind of shit where you you start something let's say it's investing and you're gonna go through this like cave right there's this like really really just you know you don't see return, you don't whatever, but you just keep going. You just keep going. This is where a lot of people give up. This is where a lot of people are like, well, I don't see the results. I'm going to give up. And then, then when you hit that point, it's like an, like an avalanche of return. Right. And it just, it seems like it happens overnight, but it doesn't. It happened because of that entire magic dark that you were patient for it's also the same as the picasso uh was it picasso i want to say it was, i don't know uh someone like saw picasso and said hey can you draw me something and he drew something on a napkin and he said that'll be like one million dollars and the woman was like what do you mean like it took you five minutes to draw that draw it on an, and it's on a napkin and he was like yeah but it took me like 20 years for me to be able to draw this right or something like that where it's just it, it you think it's just overnight but y- oh my god it's it, it but it all comes at once sometimes you know yeah or it doesn't all come at once because I think that sometimes waiting for the avalanche is also can set you up for disappointment like I'm noticing now in my life I don't I don't need the all at once I need to see progress and I need to see growth and that's it like it will compound and it will multiply, but it doesn't, I don't, I'm not waiting for the day. And I'm only saying this because I think this might be a, I, I hear this as a pattern of yours of something that you think is going to happen to you one day. Um, it's like the lottery phenomenon, right? Like I don't, it, and that's the destination thinking, right? Like you're going to get to that day that it just fucking multiplies. For me, I, I'm just like, I don't care if it multiplies. I don't care if it goes super fast. Steady growth that is making progress over time will get me to the large level of wealth that I am looking to and stability and the lifestyle that I'm looking to have in my life. And so it's this element of patience and and small habits compounding over time. Yeah, I like that. I know. I do fall into the like, someone will save me something. I'm going to like come into like a sum of money that I don't know about yet. But yeah, I agree that I need to shift it to be more uh be more about the long do you feel because i've felt this that a lot of the more spiritual messages that have been out there on instagram and in the podcast world have been such a priority on and i and just hear me out a little bit on this because this might be triggering for a second are so much on like ease and pleasure and do things that feel good, etc. That that isn't the most long-term beneficial. And I think that those messages are getting lost in the sense that like, remember we talked to Andrew Crowder and you were like, well, you know, doing something doesn't give me pleasure. Like, should I just not do it? And it's like, no, it's the we have to think about what that thing will give you. And if what that thing will give you gives you pleasure, then it's then do it, right? Like taxes and shit you don't want to do. And that distinction for me was so important because I think that people are like, you know, with food, like treat yourself. And, you know, I, I think that I think we're like we're trading in the moment pleasure for long term actual results of what we want, if that makes sense. Like I know what you're saying but I've, I've, and I've grappled with that because I've always been like, 
in the past like couple years, I've I've kept saying I want ease, I want I want slowness, I want just like peace, serenity, all these things. So and I grappled with that because I was like, does that make me lazy? Does that make me not disciplined? Does that make me unmotivated? Right. And I had a lot of resistance towards that because then I was like, oh, well, no, things can't be easy because uh, then it's not a struggle and then you're not deserving it. And then blah, blah, blah. The loop goes on and on. But what I made the, the distinction of is when I say I want ease, I want mental ease in the process of doing the discomfort thing. Because what I noticed in me in me is I'm, I'm definitely not trading in ease for a, a devoid of uh, challenges. I'm not saying I just want an easy life that's like there's no challenges, there's no blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is I put on I, – I had put on so much added anxiety and this layer as when I was going through a task, a challenge, I would just be completely stressed to a point where it was physical that I could not continue. That That is what I was trying to reverse where I said, okay, this is a challenge. I want to approach it with ease, with delight. I want to approach it with a clear mind and that's the energy rather than than just taking in pleasure and not working and all these things. That's not what I meant. So that's the distinction there because for so long I wanted to create this sense of ease and um, I was like, oh, well, that makes me lazy. That makes me not disciplined. And so I never did it. Whereas I even in have learned it this this month and I definitely learned it in you know the last couple months like for instance I can give you example we're working with a very very big brand right now with Camber and I there were you know moments where they were not happy with something um, that we presented whatever and I could have freaked out and there was tasks that we needed to change and and things that are out of our control and in the past, I would have freaked the fuck out. I would have shut down. I would have been an anxious ball. Like, yes, I would have gone through it, but I, I, I would not, have, the process would have been so hard and unenjoyable. Now through this, I was like, okay, this is what happened. Okay. I'm going to get you this. And there's, it's not that I don't have a sense of urgency. It's not like I'm just not meeting deadlines or not answering people. Of course I respond and this is how I respond and I'm just calm and I'm collected and I'm clear headed. That is the difference for me. Does that make sense? That was the best thing that I think has ever been said on this podcast. Truly like, like literally (laughs) hands fucking down. You just said what I have been like, wait, what is going on with all this messaging? You just said what everyone needs to hear. Because mm-hmm. that yeah. is the that's, mother that's fucking the distinction. distinction. And I think that without that and, caveat, yeah. people do use that narrative as a way to make themselves feel good yeah. in the moment. Right, right. And I, yeah, so that's when I finally reflected on it and made that decision in my brain. Oh my God, things liter- literally like things flow to me and also the process of working and the process of going through my daily tasks and things. Whereas last year I, I kept saying that word and you've heard it on the podcast. I always said this word dread because I was making myself anxious and sick over these tasks. And I was like, Hey, that is within my control. The tasks are not, you know, I have to get the tasks done. So am I going to get them done as an anxious piece of shit? Or am I going to get it done with joy, ease, delight, and just excitement? And I just decided to choose, start choosing that time and time again again it's these micro decisions and every day in January I felt so much more uh obsessed with the process because all the tasks feel so easy but it's not easy in the sense of like in the word you're thinking it's easy in my brain you know what yeah, I mean I know exactly what you mean because running scouts agency has been the absolute hardest thing I have ever done like on a daily mental fortitude, uncomfortable growth situ- like perspective. And I have enjoyed every single second of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I have enjoyed the 85% of it. <laughs> of mm-hmm. course, you're not going to mm-hmm. enjoy all yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the point is like two things can exist at the same time. And typically fulfillment, alignment, success come 
when you can feel joy, fulfillment, and ease within the challenging parts of life, especially yep. when you choose those challenging things. Like that's, that is like legitimately, in my opinion, the recipe of success. Like choose your challenges. So mm-hmm. you have that choice. You are an active architect of your life. You chose the hard thing that you're going to walk through and then feel joyful, ease, proud, excited, in awe. Can't believe you're walking through the, the, the fire because you chose this. I believe that like those mm-hmm. two uh those two uh those two things are the equation to feeling really good about yourself and to feeling strength and fulfillment in life because if you didn't cho- choose the thing you have to walk through that's challenging like you know maybe you take a job that you hate and you technically chose that job but this is not what you would choose for your day to day if you could ma- wave a magic wand right it's not going to feel good to walk through that because that isn't like the choice of your highest self. So if you choose something that is the thing you really want to do in this lifetime, it's still super challenging, but there's this essence of like, my soul chose this and I'm courageous enough to follow that. And so the challenges and the journey become more exciting and fulfilling and fun, even though the challenges feel like sometimes your heart is getting ripped out of your chest. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Yeah, I think I I just, I just, uh, I put a boundary on self-inflicted anxiety. You know, there's obviously, you know, there's two different types of stress. This is also something you can look up, like eustress and distress and there obviously stress is good in certain cases but it was distress every moment of last year I remember not last year but just like every the common theme was just like distress that I was self-inflicting whereas that just doesn't need to be the case like (laughs) it just does not so I don't know something really switched and I know I was telling Scout before we hit record I was like oh god uh oh, whole thirty is actually like solving my mental health problems. <laughs> like, uh oh, I solved it. Yeah, and I was like, uh, "What's the problem here?" And Maddie's literally like, "Uh oh, my mental health got problems. I can't eat cheese anymore." And I'm like, "Seriously, cheese is like the best payoff for insane mental health." But this is like what we do to ourselves. I know it's crazy, but well, so happy anyways. to hear that whole thirty is working because that is legitimately like the best thing that that's the best news you could have delivered yeah. to me today I know I was telling you like I I think it I mean it solved some of my bloating things I don't think I saw as big of a drastic change in my like physical body but yeah the mental is a a plus which is which is really fun really a fun space to be it's a little in. bit early to tell the physical changes um that that's can take true. some time so give it time but I'm so proud of you 
for for sticking mm-hmm. with the experiment. Yes, same. Oh, wait, wait. One thing before we close out. Um, how the fuck did you not know that Bill Hader and Ali Wong are dating? Dude, legitimately had no idea. Um, I was looking at, first of all, <laughs> I just couldn't stand her dress that she wore to whatever award show that just happened. I, I was like, God damn it. Like, I don't know who Ali Wong's stylist is, but every time I'm like, can someone get in here, please? Because I personally, it's like... It bothers me. I don't know why. Um, by the way, that is absolutely not a criticism on Ali Wong. She is amazing, and I love you, Ali. And if you want me to dress you, I will fucking fly to wherever you are and help you out. Um, <laughs> I was looking at her post, and I was like, fuck yeah, Ali Wong won. Like, yeah, always cheering her on. She's the best. And even though I was a little sad when she got divorced, you know, that really did. I don't know why. I don't even know what he looks like, but it, it had me in my feels for a moment. Maybe it's because her stand-up was, like, all about getting pregnant with her husband, you know? Yeah, but her last stand-up, her last stand-up was, like, very much, not shitting on him, but it was, like, not nice towards uh, him. It was all about how she wanted to cheat on him. So, we right, saw it coming, exactly. I guess. Um, <laughs> they yeah. were probably, honestly, already filed for, or, like, decided on filing for divorce before she did that stand-up I would assume like looking back I'm like oh that was probably what was happening which is why she could say all those things um yeah Yeah. I remember watching like um is he in the room um so yeah I was looking at her Instagram and I went to the last part and she was sitting with Bill Hader and his hand was on her knee and her arm was on his hand and I was like oh my god I didn't know Bill Hader and Ali Wong were like close besties you know um, because I just would never, ever, ever in the history of the world put them together. And I thought Same. they were just like affectionate besties, you know, like she just won. He was so proud oh of her, God. whatever. So I was like, you know what? You know what? This is a little bit too affectionate of besties. So I looked it up and um, apparently they've been dating since like April or something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm so surprised we never talked about this. Like, yeah, it was a very devastating moment. I thought, oh, my God, Maddie doesn't know because you never told me. And I feel like you would tell me this information. So I felt it was my duty to, like, notify you of this. And you already knew. Yeah, of course I knew. Um, I, I, I've relaxed a little bit on the Bill Hader Stanhood. I, after him and Ali Wong, obviously I love Ali Wong and... I don't know. I don't, I just like don't understand how they're together. And it's like, I think I'm so jealous and mad that it's like making me not like, like it's giving me the ick that he's like with someone and happy. You know what I mean? So I think I'm like, I'm reevaluating my top three and it's always in flux. I, I don't see them together at all. Is that just me or is that the consensus? I don't know what the consensus is. I think people are just kind of indifferent. Um, the height difference alone is like, how does that, f- how do, how are things fitting? But they seem very, uh, the fact that they were sitting at the Emmys and the Golden Globes together, she kissed him when she won both times. Like, that's a big deal. Like, that's a, that, you don't do that with just like anyone you're dating, you know? Well, they've said, I read some headlines. It says that they're very private about their relationship, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would have never, ever placed them together. But now that I see them together, I'm like, you know what? They probably have such a good, real relationship behind closed doors. Like, I can imagine yeah, them probably so both funny. having a really solid, lovely, fun, fulfilling, deep relationship. Oh, okay. One other thing. Sorry, before we close. I finished The Bear. <gasps> Wait, you hadn't seen The Bear? No. Oh my God. That's what, when you were, when I saw your Instagram story, I was like, is there a season three that I didn't know about? Okay. What are your, what are your thoughts? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Listen. Okay. So I, I had watched like half of season one when it first came out and it was like so anxiety inducing. I just like could not continue. And then, you know, it wins all the awards and Ben is watching it. He's obsessed. You're watching it. You're obsessed. Dad's watching it. He's obsessed. Everyone on the fucking internet is obsessed. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm a zeitgeisty girl. I want to know what I want to be in the know. Let me watch this fucking show. Um, Very anxiety inducing as I, as I recall. So I, I've started from the beginning and I, you know, finish. And I was really excited for season two because everyone was like, ah, season two is so much better. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was good. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like as literally so obsessed as everyone else was. I think 
that one, it is a hundred percent not a comedy. I do not know how it won in those categories. I am, sh- I didn't laugh once. Like I am, it, it, and that's fine. That it's a complete drama. I don't understand how it was in the comedy. People say that they think they just submitted them as comedy so that they would they wouldn't win against Succession because Succession was going to win. Anyways, I think Succession is more of a comedy than than the Bear was. It was the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Like everyone's like, "Oh my god, the Christmas episode." Like I know John Mulaney's in it and all the all the things, and I was like, "That was the most depressing piece of television I've ever watched in my life." Like I don't understand how people are enjoying this. Nobody enjoyed that. Nobody nobody enjoyed the Bear. People were like, "That was the best oh. episode." Oh. Oh. I, oh, okay. hands down, the listen, best listen. episode of TV that has ever been no, filmed okay. or showcased. Or oh, all right, the, relax, the, the, relax. Just the sheer acting. No, the funeral, the funeral, no, the funeral episode of Succession. Not the funeral, the one where they find out where Logan, spoiler alert, dies. Uh, that is the best episode of television of all time. Okay, wait, listen. No, so... Okay, so I get through it. Molly Gordon, um, she is in my top three. Like, I have the biggest crush on her. I think she is the most beautiful, hottest human being on this planet Earth. And I wanted to fucking flip my TV over when, I mean, spoiler alert, at the end. And he is just a motherfucking asshole bitch. And I just wanted to kick the TV off off my roof. Um so that was really, really disappointing. Really disappointing. Yeah, that's the whole thing. And the whole time I kind of saw that coming and I was like, I kept saying to myself, fuck, this is not the right time for him to fall in love. And this is not going to work out. I know, but just let him let him have go- a good thing. Well, like it's, it's you don't need to. Ha- <sighs> it's not just that. I, I understood like why he felt that way. And I believe that he should not have been in a relationship at that specific point in his life and if he was going to be in a relationship and at that point in his life he needed to if this was a real life relationship he needed to significantly have a conversation with her and she needs to understand right he doesn't really talk yeah he I don't think she like gets (laughs) who he is um and like the the stamina and the time and the in his headness that he requires to do what he does and so when it fell apart I was like yeah they shouldn't have even been together in the first place yeah I know but it was just devastating like oh she is just perfect like she is literal perfection I'm waiting for how they're gonna establish it in season three like it could have they have it could have been they could have worked it out I like it, it didn't have to do that of course it's a tv show but I think that if he had spoken to her and they had an understanding like I'm just not sure that she truly knows what he needed during that time. Totally. Totally. Um, the, the other part of the season that I loved was uh, when Love Story by Taylor Swift was playing. And what's that actor's name? I love him. The guy who's Richie was singing Love Story in his car. And he was working oh, at the like really nice restaurant. How amazing is I he? I loved that. I loved, loved that episode. You know, he, it was a bit of a, the fact, the fact that he like completely just changed his entire personality though in one episode was like a little like, all right, I like, he completely changed his entire personality over one week working at this restaurant, but I think it was such a happening transformation. Um, anyways, it is so good. My husband currently thinks I have a sexual fantasy about what's the main guy's name? Jeremy Allen White, Jer- Jeremy Allen White. I was going to say, what do you think? What do you think about him? Are you pro? I, d- I don't have like, I he's not like a celebrity crush. It's just because he did the Calvin Klein. Right. I was going to say, did you see yeah, that? Yeah, of course. Everyone saw that. Like it was a. That was kind of, that was basically. Yeah, porn, it was right? a lot. It was a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. And I never like, you know, you see that image and you're like, oh, whoa. Right. Like I was not thinking that during the entire TV show. <laughs> I. Oh, admire okay. his character so much and I root for his character so much and I love his character so much but I am not on the like celebrity crush train Jeremy Allen White I'm train. on his I'm on the train Got is it. like 
I want the best for that man. I want him to be a very successful actor. I want his character to be successful. He already is. I'm very attached to his character that he plays in The Bear, but I'm not like lusting over Jeremy Allen, whatever his name is. I feel like you and Jeremy Allen White would like get along. Yeah. I look like the whole entire show. I was like, this guy would be like, this guy is like, Probably if I had a good guy friend, like this would be it. Probably. Totally. You know that he's dating uh, Rosalia. Yeah. I loved the photo of them together. But I also like, I always feel bad when people get divorced. He has two young kids and. (sighs) Oh, he has two young kids? Yeah, he was married like last year. And. Wait, what? Oh, that I did not know. They have two, I think they're young daughters. Mm -hmm. And so, listen, like, I don't know his relationship. Like, I can't say anything, but. When I saw that, like, and then I see like he's dating this other woman, I, I I just like feel for the the wife, even though it could have been her decision. Who the fuck knows? She could have been like, I don't want to be with you. I don't know, but that's just where I go. Like, of course, like you know, I'm like, oh damn it, he became famous and then left his wife and then is now dating. You know what I mean? But that could be totally incorrect. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the wife here. Her name is Addison Jane Timlin. I'm under the impression that Jeremy Allen White looks like um, Willy Wonka, the guy who played Willy Wonka. No, no one. You didn't see that meme? You mean Timothy Chalamet? What are you talking about? No, the original Willy. You didn't see that meme going around? Oh, the. Oh, wait. The original. Oh, you you think he looks like the original Willy Wonka? Wait, you have not seen that meme? It's comparing them together, (laughs) two photos. And then the meme says, y'all are just attracted to Willy Wonka. Oh my God. Well, I guess I could kind of see Kind that, of but, see it. I'm going to send um, you. Okay, wait. No, I'm texting you this photo right now because like it is uncanny. And ever since I saw that, like that's all I see when I look at this guy. Here, wait. I just texted it to you. Just take a look at this photo. Please. Okay. Now I'm in like a deep dive of his ex-wife on Instagram. Okay, yeah. yeah I she went still through. has a photo of him from last year's Globes. Yeah. I went through the huh. whole thing. Thank you very much. It- <laughs> Okay. Wait, so they got divorced this year? I think la- like 2023, I think. I think. <laughs> Wait, he does look okay. like it. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I was like, oh, Jeremy Allen White is like friend vibes, like friend zone to the max, right? Yeah. But then, you know, no, he's people are, people are really obsessed with him. I get it. I understand why, but Yeah, there's like Anyways, when you Google Jeremy um, Allen White, it says G- Jeremy Allen White and Gene Wilder come up. Here, wait. Okay, here we go. Oh my god, I have to show you this photo. This is fucking hilarious. Wait, wait, don't go. I know sisters well, okay. at this like you can't see this, but okay, you're gonna die. Maybe just everyone go everyone go. Look uh, at this photo that go I just Google sent you. that. Hold on, hold on. Oh yeah. Wow. I wonder if he's ever commented on that. Yeah, this is like he the running literally joke. is a splitting image. Splitting image. Like this guy's his dad. Oh my god. This guy is his dad. See? Okay, that's so funny. Wow, you really went on a rabbit hole. I didn't know. I didn't know that you were okay because I'm genuinely obsessed with so the much. bear as a piece of yeah, cinema I re- television. I'm, I'm realizing that too. I'm also obsessed with Sydney. She's the best. Oh, I'm so happy for Sydney. I'm watching all of her. Um, I don't know her real name. All of her uh, award show moments. Ayo, she's. Ayo, There's this one where she's very similar in person. Someone was asking her the press and yeah, she looked sure. like her face was like, what the fuck are you asking me? And then she just went up and she's like, oh, no, she's so she's funny. So funny. You need to watch Bottoms. Have you seen? I don't know why this movie's the most underrated movies. No one fucking watched it. I don't understand why it was the funniest movie I, I've seen in the past 10 years. Go watch it. You, and Adam Is would it about love the it. Theater camp because we started it. And no. Uh, uh, no, that's theater camp, which I also really loved. But this is called Bottoms. It's Sydney and then this other girl who's also so, so funny. And they are trying to they're gay or they're, they're lesbian and they're in high school and they're trying to hook up with the like hot, popular lesbian girls. It's unbelievable. OK, I'll go watch that, too. You would love it. I promise. I promise. Everyone also listening, please go watch it. You would really love it. Okay. Well, this took a turn. Um, usually we talk about this stuff in the beginning and then end <laughs> on the series. But you know what? Come to OK Sis for the full I know, spectrum. The episode, the, episode, the episode title should be Quiet Girl Era and The Bear. <laughs> and Bill Hader and Ali Wong. <laughs> Quiet Girl Era plus The Bear 
Bill Hader, Ali Wong. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, because I was going to ask you what to title this episode. So, gracias. Okay. Is that too long? No, because oh, well. I think that people are going to listen. Oh. And if they're just listening, they're like, oh, this is just about Quiet Girl Era. They're like, wait, where's the bear, the Bill Hader, and the Ali Wong commentary? So they will wait till the end. And then and then we get them. Yeah, we get them to listen 40 minutes in. Yeah, sisters, because we're worth it. Okay, we love you. <laughs> All right. Love you, sisters. Bye. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.